Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Real Window, rewatching random movies from our childhood. I'm Pauline. And I'm Lisa. And it's a full length <gasps> episode today. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and we're, we're talking about a movie that I picked. Yes. Um, I picked a movie that we watched a lot, yes. that we quote a lot. Yes. And that was interesting to rewatch. I'm excited to talk to Lisa about it. Lisa, do you want to tell everyone what movie we watched and uh, give a little synopsis? The synopsis is great because it's just repetitive. I love it. Um, all no. right. So uh, the movie Pauline chose is the classic Bill Murray Groundhog Day, uh, which is all about, for those who haven't seen it, which I'm a little surprised by because it kind of is always on TV, or um, for those who haven't seen it in a while, a refresher, uh, Bill Murray stars as Phil Connors, a weatherman who is arrogant, a jerk, cynical, mm-hmm. grumpy, horrible person <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. who sees only the negative and who is hoping to get a jumpstart in his career. But before he can do that, he has to go to Punk Satani to check in on the Groundhog Day and see what Punk Satani Phil, the Groundhog's, prediction will be for the weather. He is joined by Larry, his cameraman, and Rita, the new producer of the show. While there, uh, they end up getting trapped after trying to leave for the day uh, by a blizzard and have to spend the night. Phil wakes up to find out that he's reliving Groundhog Day. Uh, and he continues to relive Groundhog Day hundreds and hundreds of times and you as the viewer get to watch him on his journey from confusion fear panic panic acceptance then outright larceny (laughs) then depression he really does do the whole like bargaining yeah (laughs) um until as he grows as a person and as he grows in his relationships with those limited people who are around him and uh annie mcdowell who plays rita his producer his his love interest and uh the gentleman larry his cameraman is there for also comedic effect but he's not really necessary because phil is really the star of the show because you're just watching his day over and over and over and over again and the character development that happens as a result that's mm-hmm. this movie. Um, it is one that while you're watching it is an interesting choice for families to watch. Totally. Yeah, definitely age inappropriate for sure. <laughs> definitely not one small children should be just like allowed to watch whatever they feel like. <laughs> no. The more we watch these movies from our childhood, the more I realize that our parents and our family were just like, ah, this is they're fine. fine. <laughs> this is fine. And it's like, this is not Man, fine. The 90s. <laughs> Weird time. Weird time to be watching movies as a child, but especially, yes, in our family where it was very much a, well, everyone else is enjoying it. The little kids are fine. (laughs) Totally. They'll be fine. And it's like, I mean, like, we are fine, but man. I I like like to think we are. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, maybe we should invite a therapist sometime. Yeah. Um, I don't don't know if we need that. that. (laughs) A fun episode. I wouldn't enjoy that at all. No. Um, so, Pauline, you picked this. Uh, yeah. This, as a warning to our listeners, is going to be full of quotes. It's going to be a lot of just like going back and forth over the beat episode. by beat of this movie. <laughs> yeah. Just accept that going in. But we will, of course, try to talk about our usual stuff. And the first thing we always, when we're rewatching these movies, uh, we go through different categories that we're paying attention to as we're watching them. And the main one is takeaways. What it's like watching this movie as an adult versus when we were children and so Pauline I know we watched this a lot growing up 
Um, what was it like rewatching it as an adult, thinking back to when you were a kid watching it? Were there any uh, moments that you didn't understand? Any moments that stood out for you? Any moments you forgot about? Huh? Uh, any huh. <laughs> what was it like with this uh particular viewing pauline uh you know honestly rewatching it like okay child pauline <laughs> loved this movie i, I thought this song. movie was hilarious from the start <laughs> to the so end honest. like i like so watching it as an adult okay so the first morning that he wakes up and it's the second time <laughs> that it's groundhog day and he's kind of like confused he's he's like did we do this yesterday slowly panicking like it's such a slow <laughs> panic it's a slow still burn. figuring shit out <laughs> yeah and he's like having conversations again where you can tell on his face he's like I know the answers to these questions. Why do I know the answers to these questions? (laughs) This is terrifying. So as an adult, I'd be like, yeah, that is terrifying. Like that would be, (laughs) child Pauline just thought it was hilarious. (laughs) Like I think the stakes of this one were just lost on me. Right from the beginning, I was like, hilarious. He doesn't know what's happening. He doesn't know that he's going to relive this day 500 more times. Like, and again, because... There's no way in hell we could ever parse out first viewings for this bad boy. No, it, it's just I knew what was happening. I knew everything would be fine. I know he's confused and it's hilarious. There are certain days where certain things he does are funnier than other times. So as a kid, I remember, like for example, so anyone who doesn't know, he wakes up with his alarm clock six in the morning every day. It's uh, "I Got You, Babe," "Sunny and Cher," well, arguably one of the most repetitive songs that has ever been written. <laughs> yes, God. And there's just a breaking point he has where he just beats the shit out of the alarm clock. It's honestly a montage of beating the shit out of alarm clocks. It's a brief montage, but that's all he's doing. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, day after day. So I respect it. Yeah. <laughs> so I remember I remember waiting for the one where I was like, where's he gonna, when's he gonna beat the shit out of the alarm really? clock? Like that That's was, what oh, yeah. you waited for? That's... Oh, like all of them. <laughs> Even like the one where I was like, when does he punch Ned? <laughs> That's the one. Like, I'm not gonna lie. The Ned punching <laughs> is the one that as a child, I thought was the funniest thing. As an adult <laughs> watching it, it's still funny. <laughs> But it's not the level. I don't know why as a kid. I think it's his it's delivery. So, so yes. we need to... Holy <laughs> okay, you can't. You're laughing too hard. I can't. You would do Okay. Let me explain it because Pauline's gone. We didn't even make it. How far did we make it in this episode? Ten minutes? Not um, even. Okay. Not even. Not even. Uh, uh, okay. Pauline, mm-hmm. we'll just start laughing again. <laughs> keep laughing it's fine so ned ryerson is a character who actually props to this actor he's a great he's character so good. he's in a lot of little small bit roles and we've seen him uh before in the movie sneakers and he plays this very geeky like you look at him and you're like yes you are an insurance salesman and totally. um he spots Phil on his way so uh the first time Bill Murray is walking to go check out and see what's happening with the groundhog is going to go see Punxsutawney Phil and record his little uh greeting about it and Ned sees him from across the street and just recognizes him and comes over and Phil has no idea who this is but Ned's like you know they went to school together he dated his sister a couple of times he's now an insurance until he told him not to yes I dated your sister a couple of times until you told me not to Uh, (laughs) and he 
is like in your face, too friendly, ready to sell you anything type of mentality. And Phil finds him annoying the first time and then finds him annoying the second time. And then you know that he has to meet him constantly and he just can't handle it. And there's early on, there's one time where Phil, because he realizes it's right after Phil has, after talking to some drunks at a bar, realized that he is living in a consequence-free cycle. So he can do whatever he wants. So the morning when he realizes he can get away with shit, he's walking to go see the groundhog, and Ned comes up to him and has his usual greeting of Phil? Phil Connors? And Phil's response, as opposed to being his usual annoyed or trying to speed walk away from him, goes, Ned and then just punches him in the face as hard as he can and then walks away with a smile. And there's something about how Bill Murray responds with this excited Ned and then punches him, which is genuinely funny for the comedy and like terrible. I want everyone to know what laughing. You're laughing, but a lot of Phil's behavior is horrendous. It's terrible. It's terrible. And I will say, as a kid, having also not grasped everything, no. I didn't understand the extent of how horrible he was until I was no. an adult watching it going, oh, God, he's a horrible he's awful. person. He's an awful he's a person. terrible person. But yes. that comedy punch <laughs> was so funny as a kid. It was that slapstick Bugs Bunny kind of humor that it was one of my favorite moments. So when it happened, I couldn't, I was never fully sure. That's the thing about this movie too. We watched it so much that sometimes my brain was like, is this the one where, yes, yeah. it is. Like, <laughs> yeah, just, totally. you knew it was you're early, predicted. but you weren't always sure which, which scene it was going to be. Yeah. And so when it was the build-up, you're like, oh, it's this one. So I think because of that also, the humor was extra strong because you had to wait for it to happen and you weren't always confident this was the time he punched Ned. So it would still kind of always catch you off guard, but but also not. So the humor was extra there as a result. Yeah, because the evolution of Phil's journey was mm-hmm. definitely more lost on me as a kid he goes from being awful and like doing terrible things when he understands that there are no consequences he is mm-hmm. not a nice person mm-hmm. when he's doing this and his motivations for his actions are actually awful and oh, so yeah. the yeah. How, the route he takes to end up being the good person he is by the end of this movie was just as a kid the character arc i think was just more lost i just knew he at the end he's a good guy and somewhere yeah. in the middle he punches ned in the face but i can't tell you that it happens because he had this realization that he's got no consequences for his actions no. i just know it happens at some point here i think as there. a kid my brain was like this is the one where he's just so annoyed he hits him like i didn't yeah. i didn't connect that it was i don't, i'm not going to get punished for this so i'm going to totally. punch him oh, it yeah, was no, more the the repetition is here. Yeah. I would, you know, he's just annoyed this time. He's, and the next he's time, he's at his wit's end. Annoyed. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> have learned a valuable lesson. Like, yeah, the, the, the gravitas of a lot of this was lost as a kid, for sure. And the repetition well, and how, didn't help. <laughs> no. Well, and how dark it gets. So there oh are moments where he tries to kill himself. He genuinely tries to kill himself multiple. You see him attempting yeah. and successfully... Yeah committing suicide multiple everyone, times trigger warning for that yes. one if you are yeah. going to be watching this and 
he's at his brink. Like he's a man who's at his breaking point because he feels like he's in hell and he cannot figure out how to get out of it. And Mm -hmm. so he starts going to these really extreme um, decision-making moments where you're like, Oh, he's like, he's losing it. And so he, the weight of that was lost. And again, I knew he was struggling, obviously, but I know because in the end it was going to be fine. Yeah. Um, it's the moment in the diner where he's kind of just like, I'm a god. Like, he's <laughs> he's explaining how he's been killed so many times. And he has this real talk with Rita for the first time where he's finally able to tell her, I know everything that's about to happen. And I can tell you every single thing in every single person's life that's in this diner right now because I've relived this day over and over again. And that's, like, the turning point. Yes. Um, that's and that's a really point. nice moment. And then it's a turning point again because Rita's mentality rubs off on him. Yes. Because he's she's so positive. The, she's come to the realization. Yes. yes. Gosh, you're, Gosh, you're an upbeat lady. <laughs> That's what he says to her when she says, you should be looking at this from a different perspective. Yeah, maybe it's not a curse. Maybe you could just help people. Um, and so it's it's interesting. As a kid, I will say, yes, the, the suicide part was, was hard because it was very dark. And it's it's very well done in the sense that, you know, watching it as an adult, I'm like, oh, this is very well done. This, Of course this would happen. You would reach a point yeah. where you just couldn't handle the repetition, the being trapped. You'd reach this ultimate low of depression and need For to sure. get out any way possible. And they do a very good job. This movie is very interesting with the pacing of it because he goes through such extreme highs and lows before reaching his sort of actual turning point um but i remember being confused by the suicide parts yes. and just like you because we i have no idea the first time what my reaction was it's buried i could not tell you if yeah. i freaked out or if i was upset or i just got quiet i have no idea but because i knew the ending was okay it was always just sort of this blip of oh this is the part where things get real sad yeah um and and like darkly funny but in a way I didn't grasp because I remember our dad would laugh at the toaster scene. So he kills himself by going down to get breakfast. Like there's this woman, Mrs. Lancaster, who always greets him in the morning and asks him if he wants breakfast. And he does this a hundred times. And one time he goes down and just walks straight over and she's trying to do her usual greeting. And he does not acknowledge her, does not respond at all. And just goes and grabs the toaster, which is there for the toast and takes it with him and basically has a bath with it. And then the lighting downstairs, you don't see him really do it. You know it's about to happen. He's about to drop the toaster in and then it pans to the the bottom where Mrs. Lancaster is standing there and the lights go on and off. And that's just sick, but he's dropped the toaster. And I, of course, did not get that as a kid, thankfully. Um, But I remember our dad would always laugh. And I remember I'd asked him why it was Mm. funny. And of course, he couldn't answer. Answer. Because it's nothing that's... it's easy to describe to a child and hilarious because of the following like it's totally it's situational dark comedy and it's like funny because of bill murray's physical comedy as well like he just comes in and he's not talking to anyone like it's yeah it's it's very dark it's so dark and for those who are going to watch it who might find that triggering like you very heads up for that whole sequence of events but i just as a kid i was just like i'm confused but you're but the lights are going off but also you're laughing but also now he's jumping off a building. Like the tone yeah. shift, I don't get. As a kid, yeah, totally. I was very much like, oh, I'm not following what is and happening. And I think, I think <laughs> it's a good thing that they did. Yes. Like you said, the pacing of it. Like that yep. is a very short 
part of the movie thank god it actually was supposed to be like the writer when he originally wrote it there was less of a love scene and there was more of the darkness to it like it wasn't Mm. supposed to be the comedy that it ended up being and um so that's i'm i'm glad (laughs) for my (laughs) sake that that's how it turned out otherwise i think i definitely would have been traumatized by this movie oh god right right yeah definitely not traumatized by the um toaster scene i think too because of the the humor with which our family responded yeah so to his actions like, oh it's not that terrible everyone's laughing and he's alive <laughs> again like he yeah. he always was fine yeah so, so was, i think that was it too there was never a scratch on him there's never a no. bruise like he was depressed and he would right. do something else again but as a kid mentally he he's not okay mentally he's not good but he no. physically is still continuing and he'll reach his happy end eventually so it's fine yeah. um for sure what else Pauline? what else did you notice um okay so i mean <clears throat> um I, I really did love the Ned Ryerson interactions right from the beginning. I do have to say, like, I always liked Ned. Ned didn't enjoy I me. always enjoyed Ned, too, as a He's kid. He's just so friendly. He was just so <laughs> friendly and so nice. I was like, oh, do people not like people who are friendly? Like, I just genuinely enjoyed Ned. So it's just funny, like, the moment where he's like, where he tells him he sells insurance. And Phil is like, of course you do. <laughs> and then, like... <laughs> So then in the next, which is like, of course he does. And then in the next scene where he's like, do you sell insurance? He's like, bing again. You are sharp as a tech today. I love that expression. We love that line. Way too much. I would say it. I was a kid. I I picture a small child Lisa (laughs) telling people they were sharp and with a particular tone. It was never just me and my normal child voice. No. It was Lisa who would then go, bing. You are yeah. sharp as a tap today to <laughs> random children yeah. and people I interacted with. It's a very odd image. To yeah, we on. were weird kids, man. That's <laughs> <laughs> a weird thing. So, so yeah, I'm with you. I liked the Ned as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I like that. So there's a scene. So when, when Bill Murray's kind of like pining over his life, having drinks mm-hmm. with the alcoholics at the bar, <laughs> um, and he's kind of talking about how he wishes he was living the same day over and over again. That had been like when he was like on a beach with a beautiful woman you know he's like why couldn't I have that day over and over again and um and there's a moment where one of the guys he's drinking with holds up a beer and is like (laughs) you know some men would say this is half empty and others would say this is half full you strike me as the half empty kind of guy Phil am I right (laughs) and that moment no joke I didn't know having someone say like glass is half full or glass half empty person Aww. I thought this came from Groundhog Day when oh I was my a God. kid like I was like yeah yeah and so whenever people would be like oh glass half full I was like oh Groundhog Day we know this <laughs> everyone knows this reference because it just was another quote yeah. that we said yeah and so Adorable. I Adorable. child Pauline didn't know this was a turn of phrase beyond Groundhog Day for a very long time. <laughs> I couldn't tell you like when I had that realization, but watching it today, I was like, mm, I know. <laughs> I definitely <laughs> thought this came from that for sure. And then That's similarly, awesome. I also didn't know what flapjacks were. So I had that too. I had to ask. We asked. Yeah. I what remember so that the same drunken guys who he then gets, in the, he drives them. They're drunk. He drives the vehicle. That's good. Um, but there's one of them who's like, is anyone else? I could really go for some flapjacks right about now. And yeah. I remember, because the name is weird. You hear yeah. flapjack. And so as a kid, you're like, what are flapjacks? Right. Like, what, 
what is that? And I distinctly remember you asking, and I was very grateful you asked because I was seconds away from asking. <laughs> and you were like, what are flapjacks? And they had to be explained to us. Well, it's and luckily, the answer is just pancake, which was yes. very pleasant because sometimes you ask those questions and you don't know what you're getting back. Like, is this going to confuse me more or less? And luckily, it was like, pancakes. And we're like, oh, fantastic. Okay, I'm and with then, you. And then it became more relatable. I'm like, yeah. I also could go I, for flapjacks, sir. I would like some pancakes too. So, yeah, no, I definitely. Uh, that was a moment that I definitely remember asking that question. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I didn't get so when Phil is the creepy Phil is what I'll Ugh. call him. When Phil's yes, motivations Phil. are to like sleep with a bunch of women and be an asshole, I um didn't get that. That there's no. a scene where he like shows up in a cowboy outfit oh, and he's with so... a woman who's dressed to, like as a French maid and he's driving a Mercedes because he just stole money from like two old men security guards and is like just bought himself a really nice car and mm. like like even watching it as an adult, it was kind of the only part that I was like, I don't get this one. Like I I was watching it and that uh, that was the only scene that until it happened did I go oh yeah, oh yeah everything else for the whole movie I didn't have those moments no that was the one moment where I went oh yeah right because I'm with you as a kid I found it embarrassing of yeah. course I did because yeah. he steps out of the city and not only is he dressed like Clint Eastwood from the good the bad and the ugly he talks like Clint Eastwood he's doing a very bad impersonation of Clint Eastwood. And as yeah. a kid, I just was like, everything about this is horrifying. <laughs> totally. It's just uncomfortable. And then like it's the woman so who's in the fr- and like you never see the woman again who was in the French maid. Like you no. don't see her again. Like and so like and she's like, I thought we were going to a costume party. And then it's like, what? Why? How? Yeah. Like it's, it's just really it's out of like context. He basically just decided, why don't I be as weird as possible and force this woman to have to go through this humiliating experience and act like it's fine? Like it's Everything about it was weird. And as a child, I'm with you. Like, it's not like it makes any more sense as an adult. And yeah. a kid, I was just like, I went from, because I loved, I don't even know why, but I loved the scene where he stole the money. Oh, it's hilarious. It's, it's hilarious. But also he's like stating. So everybody, when he's like sitting there by himself and he's like, bird. Gust of wind. Gust of wind. Dog bark. Dog barking. And he's basically sat there enough times to know beat by beat what's about to happen. And he speaks. For the people across the street that he's watching, he's like, "Come on, Doris, <laughs> fix your bra, honey." <laughs> Felix, can I get a roll of quarters? <laughs> yeah, and so you see them talking, but you're hearing his voice. And as a kid, of course, hysterical. One, two, three, car. <laughs> yeah, or quarters, Five, and he's like, he's pasted out. So that way he can just walk up, grab one of the money bags and walk away and no one is the wiser. So as a kid, I was like, genius. Genius. And funny. And ran. I loved it. It made perfect sense to me. Of course this would happen. And then it leads into the weird cowboy costume thing. And I would just be like, huh? Yeah. Exactly. Okay, well, and then I was like, happened? yeah, like it was just kind of, it was almost like an anticlimactic way. <clears throat> like he stole mm. the money and that's a funny scene. And it's like, man, he should have just like done something cooler with all the money that he had. Like, this is your cool idea. Like, it just seemed, I don't know. And like, <clears throat> yeah, I don't even know if I clocked that he got the Mercedes from the, like I, then the mm. next scene, he just rolls up in a Mercedes dressed as Clint Eastwood. And I remember being like, 
what did I miss? And like, <laughs> as a kid watching these movies, generally I always missed something. So I don't think I asked because I am, I would just be like, well, this was something Pauline wasn't paying attention to again. Like, well, what else is new? She's not all caught up here. So, And then it turned out you missed nothing. It was just yeah. a weird blip part of a film. Yeah. Yep. Those are fun. <laughs> um, but honestly, my favorite parts of this movie were the end. Obviously, like yes. when he starts being a better person, when he starts giving the money to the old man and when he like <sighs> brings coffee to Larry and Rita. Let's we'll yeah. talk about that old man in just one second. Yeah. When he does like the piano lessons and the ice sculpting, like when he's and he's reading and yeah, like and he's like learning poetry and, and poetry and he's and he's saving a kid from a falling tree. out of a tree. Yeah. <laughs> Like he's, you have never thanked me. <laughs> Your little brat. What do you say? What do you say? <laughs> I'll see you tomorrow. Maybe. <laughs> One of my favorite moments of the whole movie. So funny. And he hurts his back because he's, he's, like, oh. so he's like, oh. He just caught this kid who's about to fall out of a tree because he's timed it perfectly and he's injured himself in doing so. Anyway, so like those yes. were all my favorite parts. Okay, so let's yes. talk briefly about this old man. And by briefly, I mean completely in depth. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, it won't please be do, because I wanted to bring this up as well, because oh. this mattered so much to me. It mattered so mm-hmm. much. Mm-hmm. But then this I also got I confused. Him. Let me tell you my confusion. <laughs> oh, okay, God. Okay, so. please tell me your confusion and everything else. Go, so, go, go. I didn't realize how literal of a child I was. Like, oh, man. So... there's this old man everyone that's on the corner of the street every single morning asking for some money he's cute he's he's this cold like he's just this nice old man wizened old man yes that is him that is he so he's standing on the corner just before you always meet ned ryerson so it's a very brief moment and phil is always like he's first he's like repulsed by the old man then he kind of just ignores him then when he starts being good phil he just starts giving him money he just takes out a wad of cash and just gives him his he's like whatever like here you go sir and he's the man's so genuinely excited like he's so he thinks it's so nice obviously and there's a moment where phil is walking at nighttime past an alley and he sees this um old man like on the ground like not breathing and so phil comes up to him and is like no is that how it happens first? No, no. it doesn't. So Sorry. what he sees he is takes he sees him um, just leaning against the wall cold. And so he takes him to have soup. And he gives him his bowl of soup. And, then and he gives him his bowl, bowl of soup. soup. And he's ordered sandwiches. And he's very sweet about it. And the old man is delighted having his soup. Like he is the happiest soup eater you've ever seen. It's and really then when cute. Bill, when Phil um, passes the bowl over and he's just like, it gets hard down at the bottom. It's okay. And he <laughs> like switches bowls and the man just smiles and he sees the sandwiches brought out and he smiles again like honestly the smiles he gives him it is the greatest thing he's the cutest old man he's just so and then after the soup he's you then pan to to phil because because earlier than this he decided to take him someplace warm so the first time he gives him money the second time he takes him someplace warm to a hospital where the nurse says that he's passed away and Phil gets very upset and wants to see his chart and know what the old man died of. And the woman's just like, some people just get old. No, and she's like, like, and some people just die. And he says, not today. Yeah. So then the next time he takes him to get soup, he gives him this food. And then they're in an alley is what you see after this lovely scene with soup. And he's giving him CPR because what has clearly happened is after the soup, when they've walked together, the man has collapsed and Phil is trying to save him again and he can't and he has to he eventually has to give up the CPR and accept that the old man has passed away again. So Pauline's confusion 
Um, okay. Not in the order of those events, even though I just yeah. messed it up now. It's because it's all repetitive, everybody. But what happens is he, Bill Murray's character occasionally calls this man father and yes. dad in a respectable, like, uh, let's get you warm. <laughs> let's go inside. Come on, dad. just call Come him on. old man. Yeah. yeah. Instead yeah. Of like, or sir. Yeah. Some of us could say sir. He yeah. calls him dad. He calls him father. So... I was like, wait a minute. Is his <laughs> is that his dad? Like Aww. what's happening here? Like that was the that was the confusion that kept coming up for me. Mm. And he said it in different scenes. So I was like, what did I miss? And I remember asking, like, is that his dad? And I was told no, but then also given no further explanation. So I was like, <laughs> But why is he calling him dad? Like, why is he saying father? So that Someone was, explain this to me, damn it. I eventually got over it. And I came to understand that, no, he was just an old man. And Bill Murray was just talking to him that way as a sign of respect. But I did not get that probably the first 10, 15 times we watched this movie. So um, <laughs> that came later. But that, mm. that segment and Bill Murray's, as an adult, Bill, Bill Murray's reaction when she tells him that he's dead and he's like, refuses mm-hmm. to accept it. And then I, he's changed by that interaction and does and the more. And that he can only, he, he'll never be able to save him. Yeah, he can't right. do anything about it's, it. He, he, this... The most he can do is give him, like, food, give him money, give him a good last day. Yeah. But he can't save his life. No. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that is heavy. Like, that's a heavy one as an adult. Again, the the weight of that one, I think, as a child. Because I also that, was very upset when he dies. As a that child, that was very sequence was one of my favorite moments of the whole movie as a kid. Right, of course. Of course it was. Yep. <laughs> it's my absolute it was one of my absolute favorites. I would wait for it because Phil was such a jerk and did some things that really upset me as a kid. Even if I didn't fully grasp them, I didn't I had a hard time with Phil mm-hmm. for a good chunk of the movie. And it was this sequence which made him good, which yeah. made him a good person cuz I loved that old man i loved the soup eating i loved yeah. how kind he was and i i remember like i was sad but i also was really happy because phil was helping him mm. and so that scene mattered the most if that scene didn't happen in this movie i wouldn't love phil as much as I oh as a kid at all sure right yeah, like no. even if you took it out and even with his other good deeds it no. wouldn't be enough it's, no, it's that enough. scene that as a kid i was like Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. No, I agree. I 100%. And I feel like that's that's how it feels that's as the an point. adult, too. Yeah, I think absolutely. that that is yeah. definitely a necessary. It's but, a really good storyline. But like, you got it as well a kid, done. which is what's really interesting, right? Yeah. That as a kid, even you grasp that this is what makes him a genuinely better person. And what changes him. It yeah. matters to him, right? Yeah. And it changes his view. Anyway, yeah, so that scene mattered so much. I actually cried watching it this time because I Aww. hadn't seen this movie in forever. And I was like, oh, yeah, the sweet old man. I yeah. love the sweet old man. He's so sweet. He's so sweet. Smile. When you see him at the corner for the first time, I was like, oh, I can't wait till that part happens. Like, I, I just know. saw him and I was like, yes, yeah. that's going to be great when that happens. <laughs> 
Um, okay, there's one other one I really want to mention, and yeah. then like you can start talking about oh, yeah, more yeah. things too. I've been jumping but, in, it's all good. I know, but I just, you know, then we'll go to yours. But, um, okay. So Phil's now doing a bunch of good deeds. Phil's running around the town. He's like saving people from choking. He's like, he's um, talking people into getting married, presumably because they should, they want to. That one's a weird one, but assume that's very weird now. Assume that one's good. Um, So anyway, so there's, there's just things he's doing as he's running about town and everyone knows who he is and he's an eligible bachelor and everyone wants to whatever, talk to him. There's one that he does. So there are these three old ladies. (laughs) Yes. Who are driving in their car and they have a flat tire. And while in the car talking about what to do about their flat tire, Phil comes up and just starts changing the tire. He's got the tire and the jack. He'll just, it'll just be a minute, relax. And they're like, oh, he must be from the motor club. And <laughs> they just accept it. So there's this moment when it's a flat tire before Phil has shown up. And these serial ladies, I would like to point out, they're like, they're like, your classic grandma ladies they've got like the clip-on earrings they've got fur hat fur coats makeup on lipstick like they've got they're to the nines right like this is how they're dressed right Mm -hmm. so at one point when they're talking about this flat tire and they're kind of all talking over each other one woman says well what are we going to do and then the car immediately starts getting jacked up and because they're talking over each other i didn't hear well, oh, what no. are we going to do? I thought she said, well, how are we going to get to the zoo? <laughs> oh, Instead my gosh. Of dressed in their fur coats with their lipstick and their hats and their earrings. Three old ladies just going to the zoo by themselves. <laughs> so then later when they're at the Groundhog Day, like dinner and dance, I was like, oh, they must have had a good time at the zoo. <laughs> It's only because they all just were over talking over each other. I did not hear what she said. And my brain just filled in different words. And it made perfect sense to me. And Phil comes along and jacks up the car, changes the tire, and then they get to go to the zoo. And everything's great. This Hamlet in Punxsutawney that has the zoo in February. That's where they're going. On Groundhog Day. For sure. So... <laughs> I never knew you misheard. I always love when you miss your lines there. Some of my favorite moments ever when we talk about rewatching old movies. And I had no idea about this one. And I am so delighted. And I'm now going to think of that in that scene. And I can hear it in that woman's voice. Yeah. <laughs> the zoo. Like, I just. <sighs> I don't know. <laughs> if I can't hear, and of course, from a child, in. you're like, I've been to the zoo before. As you're it's hearing these different amazing. sounds, she's totally. saying zoo. Totally, that's exactly it. And then, as an adult, you watch it, and you're like, oh, she's not saying that. That's not what she said. Oh my god! I, I think I thought that for the longest time. Like I knew that's not what she said when I watched it today. But I honestly was like. I don't know when I stopped thinking that it was the zoo that they were going to. <laughs> oh, thank God Bill Murray showed up with that that jacket to change that tire. Ah, otherwise, they, they missed the, elephant, the zoo. Otherwise, God, <laughs> can't have that happen. Uh, so, uh, yeah, good times. Yeah, that's amazing. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What yeah. Uh, what else for you? Were there other okay. things that I missed or skipped? So, 
No, so so like you, the best part was the ending, was the turning, was him looking after the old man and then starting to really reassess himself. I liked him sort of the scene where he in the diner when he's talking to Rita and he's explaining that he knows everything. That scene mm-hmm. burned into my brain as a kid because it I I got it. I was like, of course he would know all of this. And it almost was like magic. It was almost wondrous in a weird way, like not in a happy way, but in a of course he'd know all this. Mm-hmm. Um and there's this moment where he looks at her when she sits down and she's like, well what do you know about me? And he goes, I know everything about you. And he tells her, like, you know, she's a producer for this show, but she wants to do something else. And she's like, whoever knows that. He's like, you like boats, but not the ocean. And I don't know why. Mm -hmm. That whole little speech he gives about all these things that he knows about her has been burned in my brain since childhood. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That line, you love boats, but not the ocean, will pop in the back of my head every once in a while. I don't know. It is very meaningful. It mattered so much. When that scene happened, that's when I knew the movie was going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Was when he's in the diner and he explains that. And I was like, okay, now we're not going to be uncomfortable anymore. Totally. (laughs) The rest of this movie. And I will not question nearly as much. And I will just sit here and enjoy it because there's so much as a kid that was hard to grasp at the start and middle of this film. We've already yeah. talked about some of them. His jerky behavior was hard. I really liked Rita and Larry, the cameraman. So the fact that he was quite rude to them mm-hmm. was frustrating. But I mean, he was also Bill Murray and I liked Bill Murray because he watched <laughs> his movies. So it was yeah. like this hard thing of like, it's like Steve Martin and Father the Bride, right? I like Steve Martin. But yeah. He's being a jerk. Yeah. I like Bill Murray, but he's being a jerk. I'm like, what's with all these wonderful people being jerks? Um, but I did love, I also loved the groundhog. So mm. the groundhog was, it's huge. Dear Lord. There, it's the cutest, massive <laughs> thing. So big. And so big fat. and fat and fluffy and like. And I cute. remember I was. One of my favorite scenes, which is terrible. It's not like I, again, did not yeah. grasp what was happening. The, the gravitas. <laughs> the yeah. gravitas mm-hmm. of that scene. Because it was also funny. Yeah. But so, and we pre- quote it. But this is the, the scene we probably quote the most. And it's the one our mom quotes. Like it is the one that is quoted the and most. It's and so it's so dark when you think so about what dark. happens. Tell so everyone, Lisa. Phil has reached the point where he is, he, he can't, it's just before the whole suicide, it's the start of the suicide sequence where he can't do this anymore. But he decides that it's the, the groundhog's fault. That if he keeps coming out and predicting the weather, he's going to keep having six more weeks of winter. It's, he's got to be stopped. He's got to be stopped. And someone has to stop him. And, someone has to, and I have to I'm, stop him. And I have to stop him. I have to stop him. And then he just walks away. And of course, then Rita's concerned and Larry just thinks whatever, because he's been such a jerk to him. But basically what Phil does is he then kidnaps Phil the groundhog. He goes up to the truck that the cage of the groundhog is in and the like spokesman for the groundhog, the mayor and everyone else are there. And he basically just walks up, hops in the cab and drives off with the groundhog. And he lets him out of his cage and he's sitting on his lap 
holding the steering wheel and he's talking to him as he's driving. So it's cut in between these scenes of like police officers going after him and Rita and Larry are in their news van going after him. And so it's like spliced in between. And so every time you pass back to Phil, it's him and this groundhog with the groundhog on his lap, probably angry as hell to be oh my stuck there. <laughs> yeah. As, Could you as imagine? we learned in the trivia episode, he bit uh, Bill Murray very yeah. hard. Had to get a rabies um, shot. Had to get a rabies shot, as you would, from a rodent. Um, but as a kid, I thought it was the funniest oh, yeah, thing. yeah, it was so funny. of course, there's this chubby, fat groundhog who's holding a steering wheel. And Bill Murray's just doing this deadpan delivery of, like, don't drive angry now. Don't drive angry. It's like, use your mirrors. Side, side of your eye. Side of your eye. Your eye. <laughs> we all, my whole, our whole family says our, those lines. Our mom says it constantly. I'm in the car with her and she's like, just side of your eye, side of your eye. Like, out of no... Don't drive angry. Those two phrases yeah. are just echoed forever in our <laughs> forever. And it's, and it's the groundhog driving the vehicle with Phil. And then he drives off a cliff and the truck explodes and it ends badly. But it was funny enough as a kid that I even knowing where it was going didn't matter. Yeah. Because it was enjoyable, and I knew both him and the groundhog would be fine the next day. The next day. It's, it's, it's true. Yep. The groundhog would be pulled out of his log, all grumpy and angry, and held up, and all chubby, and looking adorable, yep. and they'd be okay. So that sequence, but as an adult, my God, watching this as an adult, because it's actually been years since I've seen this movie. It's yep. been a really long time since I sat down and watched this movie. Watching it with through a critical lens, honestly scene after scene of me going I can't believe I watched this as a child <laughs> another scene would happen I'd be like I can't believe I watched yeah. this as a child I know I know <laughs> I know so dark that I whole know. scene I'm like oh my god like and it blows up and I'm just like okay yeah <laughs> no I know I know Lisa and know what it is though too it's because we we were like introduced to an actor in a yes. relatively age-appropriate movie. And then from that moment on, we just assumed every movie with that actor was, was automatically fine. okay. We can totally right? watch this. Yes. And so as a result, we just end up watching. And then, like, you love actors that are, like, bad guys or not good people. But you're like, this is okay, because I know him from What About Bob? And that's hilarious. <laughs> He's great in that one. I know him from Ghostbusters. It's totally yeah. fine. Totally. Totally. Yeah. It's like it's like why we watched like City Slickers. Like I don't even want to get into City Slickers, but because Billy Crystal was in it, we're like, this is totally fine. Billy That's Crystal. Miracle Max. What's yeah. not to love about Miracle Max? He was in the Princess Pride. Everyone knows this is fine. It was this weird, like by association. What's yes. the opposite? It's like innocence by association. It was like <laughs> Like, it was like, why we watch My Cousin Vinny? It's like, well, he's the guy from Home Alone. This is fine. Yeah, we can totally Home Alone this. was totally age-appropriate. So, obviously, My Cousin Vinny, despite the swear words, yeah. is also... It's also appropriate. And so is everything else with Joe Pesci. What do you mean I'm not allowed to watch Goodfellas with J.M.? Come on! Casino, but he's on the cover. Yeah. Um... <laughs> totally. The other yeah. thing I'll say, because that is such... This, oh, my God, that's our childhood right there. Um... So there, Harold Ramis is the director of this film. Mm -hmm. And he has a cameo. He mm -hmm. plays the neurologist. When, when Phil is first freaking out, he, go, he does go to see specialists to try and figure out what's happening. But he can't go to all the specialists because he'd have to leave 
pucks to Tani to go to like Pittsburgh where they would have more for an MRI scan. An MRI scan, for example. (laughs) Uh, But I remember as a kid, I didn't clue. And so for those who don't know, Harold Ramis is also very famous for um, also writing and helping with Ghostbusters. And he stars in that one as Egon. Classic. Very brainy. Lisa's favorite. (laughs) That is exactly it. You know where this is going. my favorite. Of course he is Favorite. Why wouldn't he be my favorite? Um, anyway. Fair enough. Fair point. Fair, he's great. As a kid, I didn't, I remember the first couple times I didn't recognize that was Egon because he's put on weight. He looks older. He's not quite, um, he's not got his crazy he's hair not, in the same He's way. not Egon. He's not Egon. He's, he's not in his like Ghostbusters outfit. I mean, I get it. Yeah, it was confusing. hard. And I remember there was a time watching it as a kid where the penny <laughs> finally dropped. Yeah. And I was just sitting there because that was a scene that I kind of, it also wasn't an important scene, no. right? It's like he's looking at some scans and it's not a fun scene. It's not funny. I'm not fully getting all the medical terminology yet. And I remember just sitting there and it was something about his expression at one point when Bill Murray talks to him and it panned back to him, something about how the camera switched and the expression on his face. And I suddenly was just like, (gasps) (laughs) and as a result, the switch flipped. Suddenly I was like, this scene's great. (laughs) This is the best scene (laughs) of the whole movie. And I would wait for him to come Uh, on screen every time. I'm like, there he is. There's Egon. That's him. That's in like Egon. the okay. least important role of the entire movie, <laughs> and he's barely in it. It's barely. like thirty seconds of yeah, time. yeah, like nothing. It's like three lines. Yeah, but I get it. I do understand. Yep. I mean, I the do appreciate. I mean, there. that's why. That's how it was in our family. As soon yep. as there was an actor that was in a movie we loved, boom! Suddenly, that we actor is on the radar. So attached. No. <laughs> We were very attached. Yeah, totally. Totally. You embody I mean, the character I love. I shall love you forever. See, I, no matter I what felt you do. similarly once I knew it was him too, but Egon wasn't my favorite, but I like liked yeah. him. He's a Ghostbuster. Like, I mean, like, why wouldn't Let's I like every single person in this movie? So, yeah. I mean, it was how I felt about him when I saw him, but just being like classic Ghostbuster. Okay. <laughs> and like, that hey, was buddy. it. Yeah. The other thing I will say is I always loved the character Rita. So, oh, yeah, she's she, great she's very she's so kind she's very mm-hmm. funny she's got the most infectious laugh possible i love her laugh it's yeah. the most wonderful laugh and i loved her because if phil was mean she called him out and if he behaved poorly she called him out mm-hmm. it didn't matter how charming he was how bill murray he was if he did something wrong she was there to be like no or I don't believe you, or stop it, or whatever. Yeah. And as a kid, I think that endeared her to me more than any other way possible because she stood up to him. And as an adult watching it, I appreciated it way more. Because of course, as a kid, I didn't grasp that wasn't always how female characters were written and how they would respond necessarily in mm-hmm. films. But watching it as an adult, I was like, I'm so glad she doesn't like and she like he manipulates her in the worst way through the movie he Mm -hmm. learns he doesn't actually care about her he just wants to become the person who's like her ideal so that she will fall for him and sleep with him in a day and that was it in a day he just needs to do enough because she's she's not going to just sleep with him on a whim he has to earn it 
So instead, what he's doing is learning all this surface stuff. And it's so awful to watch as an adult. As a kid, mm-hmm. I remember just being like, she's upset with him. And I trust her. So he's done something. As an adult, I'm like, oh, my God, this is disturbing. Because he learns what her favorite drink is. He remembers. The next time they go to a bar, he orders her favorite drink for himself and then asks what she wants. And she's like, that's my favorite drink. And he's like, mine, too. Yeah. And he basically just keeps building his knowledge of bare minimum stuff like surface level stuff for her so that he can then do it he finds out when they do a toast for the drink he's like to the groundhog and she's like i always you know do a toast for world peace again next time he does it over again he orders her favorite drink for himself orders her drink for her and then says i like to say a you know small prayer for world world peace and say a small prayer So it's awful, but he basically little by little manipulates her. But always it doesn't end with her sleeping with him. She starts to get unnerved. She realizes he's manipulating her and she slaps him for his bad behavior. And she basically. And there's a montage of her slapping him, which is very satisfying. It's very satisfying. And over and over and over. And it's not working on her. And it's great. It's because it's so awful to watch. Yeah. And it's great that what I appreciate is she's smart enough, like any person would, like his behavior is alarm bells for women. Like a lot of what he does, most, the majority of women would be like, nope, that's fucking creepy. Yeah. You went too far. Yeah. (laughs) And he always does. He always goes too far. And I appreciated that more as an adult. As a kid, I liked her sass. As an adult, I'm like, yes, well-deserved sass and good way to call him on his bullshit and uh, way to keep up boundaries. Well, agreed. (laughs) And that's when it also, I think it, it matters more when there, when he does have that breaking point and where he's like telling her the things he knows about her, they're genuine things. They're things, they're things that are deeper than that surface level. And it doesn't come across as in like a stalkerish, like, how would you know that? Like, it's a very touching moment and so it's very different in tone to everything that has come prior and you're like oh this is a shift and then he doesn't like and then they genuinely spend the day together together. and it's with no intention of trying to get her to sleep with him it's no ulterior motives it's just she wants to sort of see okay you've revealed all this information and it does seem impossible for you to know all this unless what you're saying is true so I'm going to spend the day with you and see what happens and they end up like sitting on his bed throwing cards into a hat and then like just talking and then he's reading poetry to her and she's falling asleep and she doesn't want to fall asleep because she wants to try and make it and see if she can see this moment where he like he disappears or she disappears and it's a very genuine Mm -hmm. conversation hangout comfortable sort of space where the two of them are feeling comfortable around each other and there's no ulterior motive than to just sort of spend time and that is very touching too so yeah the the shift is obvious and matters and i appreciated it way more as an adult me too because i grasped it way more as an adult yeah for sure all right anything else before we shift gears please um, I think that's it. I think that. Okay. I think that covers. I mean, it. we could keep talking forever. Um, Obviously. But, all right. So, with our films, uh, one of the things that we pay attention to is the Bechtel test when we watch old movies. Uh, Pauline, do you want to explain what the Bechtel test is, and then say whether or not this movie passes it? Um. So the Bechtel test. Yes, it is a trifecta of requirements. <laughs> the first requirement is it has to have two named female characters. 
they have to talk to each other. And -hmm. when they talk to each other, it has to be about something other than a man or men. And it's hard because Doris is the waitress and Mm. Rita's in the diner and they have moments where like, she's trying to take their order, but they don't actually interact with each other in that moment. Then there's like, Another moment. Oh, actually, I mean, I don't know if all three of the ladies are named. All of the old ladies. No, the, I wondered about that too, but they aren't named. Uh, Mrs. Then, Lancaster is, but the three yeah, old Mrs. ladies Lancaster. Are, don't get names. No. And then Nancy and Doris have a bidding war over Phil at the bachelor's night. And, yep. but they're Over-a-guy. also not talking yep. to each other. Yeah. And it's not, and it's about Phil. And then um, there's like Rita is then interacting with like the couple who gets married and they also don't actually like have a conversation Mm -hmm. together. So I really feel like this movie like dances around the Bechdel test, but it doesn't actually, there's no moment. The only other thing I can think of is when Buster's wife is, uh, uh, let's presume she's named, is talking to Rita, but they're talking about Phil and how great Phil is. So again, like everything's about Phil. It's the same with the piano teacher when they talk. It's he's more oh, yeah. student, right? Yeah, like, that's so right. There are interactions, but they revolve around a Phil. person or they aren't really talking to each other. So yeah. there are quite a number of named female characters in this film, but no, yeah. uh, they don't they don't have conversations with each other. So no, unfortunately, does not pass. Um, okay, so then the other uh, category that we switched to that sort of Bechdel test kind of leads up to is whether there's anything offensive in this movie and. That is a strong phrase. Um, we we chose it because we knew we'd be watching older films, and often what was you know acceptable when the film was made is no longer acceptable. We've grown as people, as a society. What we accept and don't accept changes and alters, and so sometimes in older films, something that happens is offensive. It's um, homophobic. It's racist. It's you know misogynistic. It's abusive. Whatever it might be, and so it merits the title of offensive. And sometimes things. Just just haven't aged well. They aren't quite offensive, but they are something to take note of um, if you're going to rewatch it as something that maybe isn't the best. Is there anything in this film, Pauline, that you would say is either actually merits offensive or is just something to take note of that didn't age well? Yeah, I think you can assume the answer is yes. Um, <laughs> okay, so <laughs> Bill's behavior in general mm. until the turning point is awful. Oh. Hi, Bailey. Hey, puppy. Um, Phil's behavior in general until that turning point is not the best. How he treats women, he's incredibly misogynistic. He's predatory in a lot of ways. He's dismissive of them as people. So that's really awful to watch. So that's a heads up there. Big one. Um, generally, his behavior towards other humans is not yeah. the best. Yeah. Yeah. Um, things like, it's small enough, but like when he's kind of losing it on the second day when he's figuring out what's happening and, you know, there's a really friendly gentleman in the hallway who's like, mm. off to see the groundhog and Phil like grabs him and he's like, didn't we do this yesterday? And then he's like, like pick, grabs him by the collar and is like, listen. And then he like pushes him against the wall and it's just kind of like he physically accosts him. Mm-hmm. That's not great. Um, he goes downstairs at one point and kisses Mrs. Lancaster when, like, she didn't give him permission to do that. Yeah. Um, Just to the, be an ass. The yeah. whole Nancy Taylor storyline oh. where he gathers information about her, like, high school and who her English teacher was when, so that he can then 
presumably sleep with her and then which he does and it's very unpleasant even worse because he purposefully calls her by the wrong name yeah and and says like whatever yeah yeah Yeah, he's awful um there's a joke where that scene where like he's clint eastwood and he's with this woman dressed as a maid and they're going now they're going to go to a movie and he makes a joke that he's like one adult and uh and then she's just like two adults was like two adults and it's like the joke that he'd be going out with someone who wouldn't be an adult and it's like mm-hmm. that's He's not too funny young for him yep. <laughs> that's not funny at all um yep. so that all happens um yep. um that's what i have written down yeah I put that... generally his behavior and, that's, and then and all that's things true. yeah and i mean the intention is he is supposed to be a bad person and his behavior yeah. is not something you're supposed to like condone because you're seeing this shift from him being truly terrible and selfish and manipulative to starting to understand how to be a better person and what actually matters and how to better himself and uh, it's not saying he's perfect by the end but it's a marked improvement compared it's to the start substantial but- but it does mean that first half of the film, you are watching someone behave terribly. Mm-hmm. And it is played for laughs because it is a comedy. So even though the behavior isn't supposed to be condoned because of Bill Murray's delivery, because of somebody does, like, I know there were definitely scenes that, like, you know, our, our dad laughed at or our older brothers laughed at or our older siblings laughed at because the humor's there. Um, but it's it's still repulsive behavior. So just yeah just to be aware that it's there um the bachelor auction i gotta just say that that's oh, a yeah. weird thing why was that ever a thing i mean and i <laughs> even when i was watching it i was like thank god it's a bachelor's auction and not a bachelorette auction because that like that has a different has kind other of connotation but even uh, it is even weird the, but it's it's so odd yeah like and it's and i've seen it in other movies and it's such an odd thing yeah is this something people still do i really hope not it's i mean odd it's in ted situation. lasso <laughs> ted lasso oh, they auction off the players like, and it's so weird to me it's a that weird that thing is a socially constructed we're gonna do this for charity so you get to have a date like it's weird so it's watching it in weird. the movie it's one of those things you're like mm. yeah like maybe <laughs> but, that just would i like it's not offensive but it's like this no. didn't hold up but then it's like yeah. people are still doing it but, but it's like maybe they it, shouldn't so. do it so, so i guess i don't know it's just anyway. weird yeah. to buy yeah. somebody it's a weird thing but anyway. it's all around weird uh but yeah that's the same thing i had the same reaction uh and that was basically what i had put in in the uh hasn't aged well or offensive pile was basically just phil's behavior so okay (laughs) moving right along yeah uh for our final our almost final one where we put all the questions together all at once because they basically all lead into each other uh pauline now that you Mm -hmm. have re-watched groundhog day does it hold up uh would you watch it again would you recommend it to anyone and if so who would you recommend it to and how would you rate this movie out of 10 um so this is going to be interesting Mm. because um having watched it i would say not only is it held up i actually think it's held up better and here's Mm. why as a kid i did not get how terrible and awful a person he actually was Mm. so watching it as an adult when he shifts and that shift i think is a really hard shift when he's having that conversation as we've already mentioned with andy mcdowell in the diner where it's genuine 
Mm. like genuine care there's something for the rest of the movie that feels totally different than the first half and every joke that follows is not dark and disturbing but rather like genuinely like funny and there's a lightness that comes to Mm. it and I actually feel like that's really important because I mm-hmm. that wasn't easy to have shifted the tone of the movie the way they the way they made him at the start and the way they make him at the end. I really was quite impressed mm. by it as an adult watching it. Um, mm. So that's why, like his behavior is terrible. But like we've said, that's kind of the point. The point of the movie is that he has this character arc, and so I actually feel like I could appreciate it more because I understood it better than as a kid. Mm. So, but having said that, like, I don't necessarily think that means that the movie's like better than I thought it was. It's just that, no, sorry, not that better than it is. It's just better than I thought it would be. Mm. Like, I didn't think that it would hold up that way. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. totally. And then from childhood Pauline perspective, it was hilarious. (laughs) It was... (laughs) It was as funny as I wanted it to be. All of the family lines are in it the way I wanted them to be. I could quote every one of them as they were approaching and it was glorious. So the nostalgia mm. runs heavy in this one. So I did yep. enjoy it. I just enjoyed watching it. I was It was a struggle to watch his very poor behavior and knowing that it was worse than I remembered mm. as a kid. I was also like, thank God I didn't get this as a kid. Yep. Like, I don't know what why the hell I was watching this movie but as we've already discussed um so would I recommend it to others I mean if you if you were raised in a family where you watched this as a child um as well and you (laughs) loved it I'd say watch it again because it actually might be better than you thought it would be um there's something about this movie that I would say is quote unquote deemed like a classic in cinema, like mm-hmm. movie aficionados would say this movie yep. has really is a classic. So if you are interested in watching it, knowing what Lisa and I've already said about what a heads up is for his behavior and what happens in it, like trigger warnings, et cetera. Like I'd say, watch it. If you are interested and you like movies and it is well-written, it's quite clever. You can't dispute the acting in it and the, the comedic timing. Um, I would actually say, like, I wouldn't even say, because his behavior's poor anyway. So it's not even that it's, like, I would say, actually, the bachelor's auction is the only thing that's, like, a dated part of this movie, mm. if that makes sense. Like, mm. yep. like he's, it's not dated 90s the way other things are dated 90s. Mm-hmm. It's just, like, no, he's just a, sh- just a shitty human until he's not a shitty human. Um, so yeah. in that way, it's kind of an interesting, I find sometimes when you watch those movies that are deemed classics, and you're like, this is not a classic. And this mm. is not, you're like, this didn't age well or it didn't hold up well. I actually feel like this movie is not one of those. I think it did. Mm. Um, yep. So that's how I felt about that. So I was, I was pleasantly surprised. So I would say <laughs> if, if watching it, knowing going in what Lisa and I have already said, you still sound interested in it, I think you might enjoy it. If you mm-hmm. aren't interested because his behavior is pretty shitty, fair enough. Don't watch it. Like, it, it's not going to be better than you think it is. It's, I'd actually <laughs> say his behavior is probably worse than Lisa and I have even really yeah. told you <laughs> when yeah. you're actually watching it. Agreed. So just know that going in. Um, but I think I will watch it again. I don't know when. I would never say I wouldn't watch it again. I, you know, I, I don't own it. I just rented it. But I feel like if I'm in the mood for this, if I'm needing some nostalgia, some family memories, maybe I'll watch this bad boy with some family and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, out of 10, I'm going to give it an eight. Nice. Yeah. Yep. 
Okay. Yeah. Nicely done. Thank um, you. So for me, questions turned back on myself. Um, I was also pleasantly surprised with how well this held up. I oh. had a little bit of nervous. Oh, I was nervous. I was nervous. I was so nervous. Oh, God. No, I was I'm very just... nervous. Oh, okay. Let's see how this mm-hmm. goes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will say, is it what I remembered as a kid? Yes. And like you, now that I actually grasped all of it and got the extent of his poor behavior, the depression, I got the depression as an adult. Like, I'm like, oh my God, this hits harder. This makes way totally. more sense. Um, the pacing is impressive. The writing is impressive. There's a reason this one is considered a classic. The concept of being trapped on Groundhog Day for hundreds of days is horrifying and fascinating and weird. And I appreciate that they never try to explain it. Because mm-hmm. a lot of movies now, it feels like they mm. really have to explain phenomena like this. And you don't need it. That doesn't matter. You don't need to understand why he's trapped in this time loop. You don't need to understand, you know, if there was some magical force involved. That would make it worse, to yeah. be honest. Agreed. The fact that you don't know is fine. And actually makes the movie better, in my opinion. If they had tried to explain it, it would have hindered the film. Um, I understanding his behavior and the turning point meant more as i said i cried in this movie mm. when i watched this i'm like this hit different i yeah. get way more of what's happening in this one i laughed more i i think i struggled as a kid like i enjoyed watching it i liked watching it with family but there were parts i didn't understand there were parts that made me uncomfortable because it was cringy and but i wanted to keep watching because the plot was interesting enough and i loved the ending as an adult i found i appreciated it way more mm. this is a movie that improved as an adult yeah. than as a kid and that is so wonderful because that yeah. does not happen often no. in our podcast Mm-mm. i actually when it was over was like I'm delighted. Yeah, I felt <laughs> the same way. I come downstairs and Cam was like, how was your movie? I was like, it was great. Like, I was just like, I'm great. Like, this is great. Yeah. I'm good. This, Let's talk about this, this was movie. A wonderful surprise. Yes. Because so often when we watch movies, it means that we kind of torpedo some favorites and you look at them differently and it changes the movie, unfortunately. Totally. I'll never be able to watch Remember the Titans the same way again. No. <laughs> I just don't think it's going to happen. And that's really no. sad because I used to love that movie. Whereas this one, I'm like, oh, damn, I could watch this again. So, yes, I yeah. would watch this again. It improved as an adult. It's clever. Aside from the weird little Clint Eastwood scene um, and the Bachelor's, you know, moment that feels a bit dated, it's very good um and so if you haven't seen it in a while you want to watch it again watch it it's it's held up surprisingly well it doesn't feel dated in the same way like it feels just like a bit of an older movie but doesn't feel like there's a moment when he's revealing you know each person in the diner when he's like this is so and so in the following there's one young waiter Mm. that he says this is so and so and he's gay and the guy just goes I am. And he kind of smiles. And then he yeah. goes about his day. And in the 90s, yeah. without some weird comment yeah. or weird behavior, no, it was just a fact of who he was as a person. And then it was carried on. And that's and I actually, actually like, I loved it so much, Lisa. I'm so glad you brought it up because I loved it so much because I was like, no joke was made at his expense. No yes. one gave a shit. They just moved on. He wasn't dressed weird. He didn't no. come across as a, he was just an yeah. ordinary guy. Regular yeah, And that was just one of the facts about him as yeah. there were other facts about other people. And I was like, oh, thank God. Yeah. That should totally. feel like such a relief. But and it, it is. Was. It's that a real big relief. 
I know. about watching 90s movies in particular. Yes. Um, we've watched too many. <laughs> we've watched too many. It's not, it doesn't usually go we've that way. We've been burned everyone. too many times. <laughs> Um, so I would say, I, I I still don't think this is appropriate for kids. We, as <laughs> no. we said, we had a hard time. Like, we liked it, but we were very different kind of kids, and we'd watched a lot of type of these type of movies. Um, I would say this isn't a family film. Older, like, tweens, absolutely. Tweens and up, go for it. Watch it with yeah. them. I think they can handle it. But younger than that, no. Don't watch that with them. Watch the cartoons. Watch the regular family films. Save this till they're a bit older. Um, but yeah, if you if you've never seen it, it is a classic. It's held up better than you think it would. Go watch it. Um, in terms of out of ten, I also give it an eight. This is a wonderfully solid, good film. Yeah, clever writing, great performances, endearing characters. I love all the people of Punxsutawney. Yeah. they are wonderful, wonderful people. I love them Punxsutawney. <laughs> background characters. Great. Like, they're great. Um, so yeah, so thank you for choosing this movie, Pauline, because that was a oh, great surprise. You, I am so <laughs> relieved. I was so nervous about picking this movie. I was very concerned because I knew his behavior was so shitty. But it's, but it, oh. it's shitty, beca- but it serves up with purpose. purpose. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. the thing. I don't mind watching characters no. who are shitty or who do bad things, provided there's a reason well, for that behavior. Because you need a character arc. They can't yeah. start good and end good and have things yeah. have lessons learned along the way in every single movie. That's not every movie can be Lord of the Rings, right? It's just not <laughs> what's meant to uh, happen. There's only one. Uh, <laughs> anyway. All right. Yeah. So for our final category, and okay. we will have to probably limit ourselves, but we've said a couple already. <laughs> yeah. uh, quotes. So Pauline and I like to talk about how in our family, quotes are just, as we said, they're just sprinkled throughout our conversation. We just say them. They are part of our language as a family. They're just said, stated, and all of us will laugh or acknowledge them because we know what message the person saying them is coming across and sometimes we pick the most random quotes possible that do not impact other people but for some reason impacted us this movie has a ton of quotes that we say all the time and that we loved so pauline start us off what's one of the quotes that you remember watching this (laughs) okay so i'm gonna start with ned so ned ryerson who sells insurance (laughs) (laughs) we see him many times when in exchange we've already gone through the Phil, Phil Combs, et cetera, et cetera. So he's like, do you have insurance? Because if you do, you could always use a little more. Am I right or am I right? Am I right? 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 It's very like Andy from The Office, if anyone watches oh, The God. Office. And we say that line. Yeah. Am I right time. or am I right? Or am I right? intonation. Right? Am I right? Right. 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 Constantly. Right. I'm yeah. sure I sound like such a weirdo. When no, I you sound like it. a gremlin, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Okay, what's one? What's another line? Another Ned one. one. We're yeah. just gonna keep with that scene for a second because yeah. this one also is stated constantly. Our <laughs> mom says it. Basically, Phil trying to leave Ned's conversation. He wants out of there so fast. He does not look where he's going. He walks away from Ned and he steps off the edge of the sidewalk into this ridiculously deep pothole puddle that is on the edge of this sidewalk and his leg just sinks right into this icy water and Ned is next to him and Ned's response is to go woohoo watch that first step it's a doozy and then he laughs and And every time he says it every single time he says it every interaction that Phil steps in that water 
And we say that all the time. Watch that first episode of Doozy. Yep. We also say, so Ned's talking to Phil about how he like sells insurance and what he's like, what his personality is. And he's, and he puts his hand out in a bull sign. I want everyone to know he does this. And he says, Ned the bull, Ned the bull. That's me, Ned the bull. <laughs> and he says the bull with the sign out every time. And, uh, and we do that. We say that. Yeah. Ned yeah, the we bull. do that. Yeah. Yeah. That's the um, there's one other line from that that exchange. <laughs> Honestly, so the Ned's whole exchange. Like, Ned's like, "What are you doing for dinner?" And Phil's just like, uh, "Something else." <laughs> so he walks away. <laughs> that line is so funny because that's not one we say, but the deliver. Bill Bill Murray's delivery in this film is like 100 percent spot on every single yeah. time, and that one's great. Okay, what's what's one of uh, yours? It's uh, it's Phil's line, and it's the second so he's it's the first time he's been trapped with the blizzard so he has predicted as the weatherman that the blizzard would blow over and it wouldn't cause them any trouble and he was wrong and he's now trapped in punxsutawney and he's at a pay phone and he's uh and he's phoning someone or maybe it's the other one and he's or he's at in the hotel no, i can't remember which no, one this is or is this a satellite this is the don't you have some yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. yeah so that he's at the gas station on the payphone and he gets hit yeah. in the head with a shovel <laughs> yeah. go on with the, with and the so line. he's upset and he's phoning he's trying to get through and he's found out that all the power lines are like down and there's no satellite or anything his, his response is to go don't you have some kind of a line that you keep open for emergencies or celebrities i'm both i'm a celebrity in an emergency <laughs> And he's not. He's like a local weatherman. Weatherman. But he feels like he should be a celebrity. And that is his excuse for trying to get through on like an emergency line. And like that's the other thing is it's like it's not an emergency. Like he's not he's not stuck in the middle of nowhere with a broke down vehicle. Like it's so like you're fine, Phil. Um, What's your next one? So the blizzard is hit. He's back at the B and B, and he is like just gonna chill out and have a warm shower so he goes to have a shower and the water is freezing yeah so he's like ah, ah, and he's like jumping out and he's hitting it he's like oh my god and he gets out of the bathroom to head to his room and he has the towel and he's in his robe and he's like excuse me isn't there any hot water and the little lady who runs the b&b is like oh no there wouldn't be today and, he's, <laughs> and his response is Huh. Oh no! Of course not. How silly of me! And it just like keeps walking. His, his delivery is great, and I love the little old lady. Mrs. Lancaster is a delight. She's been in a bunch of other movies. She's a great character actress, and his response to it—he can tell it's killing him. It is killing him, and he is so upset. So he's not going to show it. So he's like walking like, away. He of course not. He's so <laughs> mad. How silly of me! Um, uh, okay. oh my god uh, so another one because I know we're going to need to zip through these ones so when he's he's been recommended to talk to a psychiatrist because of he, after he's talked to the neurologist and he's explained things the neurologist is like I think you need to see a psychiatrist and you see him on laying down and this young psychiatrist is listening to him and he's not sure what to do because he normally deals with families <laughs> and, and he's sitting there and, and Bill Murray's response is to go but you went to college, right? It wasn't a veterinary college, right? And then the guy, when he's done listening to Phil, goes, that's true. He's like, well, what do you suggest? He's like, I think we should meet again. He's like, how's tomorrow for you? And then Bill Murray starts hitting his, uh, a pillow into his face. Yeah, he just puts a pillow over his face as if he wants to scream in it and then just starts punching the pillow. His and own it's face just, is great. It's, that whole exchange is great, but I just love that. It wasn't a veterinary college. Well, right? 
when he What's wakes up the one? morning and it's the same day for the first time mm-hmm. and he's like sees that everyone's in like the exact same place and everyone's going to the same thing so he runs outside and he's like excuse me where's everybody going and the woman who ends up being his piano teacher <laughs> later is the gobbler's knob it's groundhog day it's still just once a year isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> he and he looks so confused he's so he mad so confused and so frustrated that he's now doing this again like because this is his nightmare he hates groundhog day he doesn't want to be there in the first place <sighs> and now he's here again like you can just see him palpably be so frustrated but also so confused he's so confused and then he gets there and it's so funny because then he's got to do the same like spiel <laughs> and so he's so he gets on camera he's holding the microphone he's like well it's groundhog day again again <laughs> Oh my god, it's great. Okay, what's um, another? <laughs> so so one of the ones that I loved as a kid, and it's the moment when so as we mentioned before, Phil, you know, at one point near the start of the film is talking to these two drinking guys, and they have gotten quite drunk and he's now driving the car with them. And so he asked them, you know, what would you do if there was no tomorrow? And the one of the guys is the one who explains that you could do whatever you wanted. And he's like, You're right. We could do <laughs> whatever we want and then proceeds to drive like a lunatic and at one point because he's now having this realization he's backing his car up in reverse he's going away from a police car that's chasing him because he's run over a mailbox and he's like it's the same thing your whole life clean up your room stand up straight pick up your feet take it like a man be nice to your sister (laughs) which is hilarious that that's in there yeah don't mix beer and wine ever and then his car has landed perfectly on the railroad tracks because he spun it and he goes oh yeah don't drive on the railroad tracks and the drunk guy next to him just goes uh phil that's one i happen to agree with (laughs) that same guy the same guy has a line earlier in that sequence what you're talking about the first thing phil does is when he realizes he can do whatever he wants is he goes and he specifically hits a mailbox (laughs) and then this guy turns to him he's like hey phil if we wanted to hit mailboxes we would let ralph drive (laughs) and ralph who's loaded is like yeah (laughs) like it is it's a pretty entertaining sequence of it's a really that's a good one even when they're going to get into the vehicle and phil's holding up ralph yeah he's like you want to throw up here you want to throw up in the car and ralph's like i think i think both both. (laughs) (laughs) and phil's face is just disappointed he's like oh god (laughs) (laughs) okay i mean that's actually where most of my lines were was in like the the bad Phil part and then the yeah, good Phil part shows up but there's one line that Ardan thought was so funny it comes towards the end of the movie so he's playing the piano and again I never <laughs> understood this line and now it's hilarious but as a kid I didn't get why it was funny you know what I'm about to say yes. so he goes he decides he's gonna learn the piano so he's learning the piano first time he plays it's like rough then you see him slowly improving so he goes to this piano woman's house for a lesson and he's just like he's playing and it's actually pretty decent and she's like not bad mr connors and you do you say this is your first lesson and he says yes but my father was a piano mover so (laughs) and then continues playing as if that's explanation enough. My father was a piano mover, so so 
<laughs> so our dad always thought that was hilarious. And I remember being like, I don't get this joke. But being like, would that make him a better player? And the answer is like, no. And I'm like, I don't get this joke. Like, this joke didn't make yeah, any sense. It definitely was a line that was really funny as an adult. <laughs> it's so funny but yeah you can't explain that humor you can't explain that to it like a six-year-old like that's one of the ones that I definitely didn't get as a kid but watching it as an adult I it caught me off guard and I laughed really hard like surprisingly so he's he's trying to manipulate Rita so he's trying to learn about her yeah he's sitting at a table and he's doing pretty well so far He's asking her about herself and he asked what it was that, and, and she said, well, I didn't always want to be, you know, I didn't study to become uh, a news broadcaster. He's like, he's like, Oh, what did you want to do? She's like, well, believe it or not, I studied 19th century French poetry. And his response is to go, ha, what a waste of time. <laughs> like, really loudly. And like, with this, and it was just, there's something about his laugh. And then he's like, And he and can't. For someone else, that would be an incredible waste of time. But for you, that was such a brave decision and obviously made you a stronger person. And too late. <laughs> He's too late. He fucked it up so bad. So then he has to do it again. But just that first reaction, yeah. he's so smooth. He's been smooth, smooth, smooth. And then that shows his true colors. True and I Phil. laughed so hard because I'd forgotten. Did and that's it didn't what he matter. Because did? of course it didn't matter as a kid. I didn't get it. No. As an adult, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> it, it was a good reaction. Okay. It was do good. Have, uh, let's, do you have another one? Um, well, we already said the other one where he says, you little brat, you have <laughs> never thanked me. Um, so I actually don't have any more. I feel like I covered the, all of mine. The only other one, and again, it was a surprise one for me. It's when Sweet. he's reaching his realization that he has to stop the groundhog. And so he's doing his bit in front of the camera and he's done this multiple times already, right? The first time was great. The second time was confused. The next, like, whatever. And so this is when he's at his lowest point. Yeah. And at the start, he goes, this is pitiful. Mm. A thousand people freezing their butts off to worship a rat. What a hype. Groundhog Day used to mean something in this town. They used to pull the hog out and they used to eat it. <laughs> You're hypocrites. <laughs> oh, I'm yeah. <laughs> line they used to pull the little rat out and they used to eat it eat him. <laughs> you're hypocrites oh, <laughs> oh so that's good. good so we're gonna end on the hypocrites line Everyone, i mean that's a great um, line that's a good that's a great line to end on uh all right well thank you for choosing the movie pauline yeah uh, such pleasure. a great surprise i'm glad both of us enjoyed this journey as much as we did <laughs> Uh, thank you all for listening. It'll be my turn to choose a movie. I make no guarantees at all Mm-mm. that it'll be as good as this one because that would be a folly. Um, however, I've I will made that mistake in the one. past. <laughs> yes, I have. It doesn't work. Um, in the meantime, please like and subscribe on whichever platform you're listening to us on. If you want to follow us on social media for kicks, you totally can. We don't <laughs> do anything on it, but if it makes you feel good, and you want to up our numbers for no good reason, please do it. It's Knock great. yourself out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Who are we to tell you not to? 
Um, also, if you want to send us an email about what you're enjoying about the podcast, any movies that are particular favorites of you or that have mattered to you as kids growing now that you're an adult, uh, please feel free to send us an email, real.window at gmail.com. The social media handle is uh, at real.window. Nope. Uh, in the meantime, I hope it's you at have real a window. Lo- Thank you. <laughs> we don't use it very much, not- anyone. I- <laughs> this explains why you have no followers. Lisa's been telling everyone the wrong address. Damn it, Lisa. We'd have people that a million. I like when you went to a million and I said thousands. <laughs> I love that yours was more reasonable, but still also not reasonable. <laughs> Too, at all. Super exaggerated. Yeah. <laughs> and you went to a million. I'm like, okay. Hey, I might as well exaggerate. Shoot for the moon. For sure. Yeah. 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 Let's do it. Yeah. Okay. All right. In the meantime, though, have a wonderful rest of your week, and we will catch you as soon as I figure out what our next movie will be. Mm hmm.